thank you for coming. And uh, for those of you that are listening afterwards, I'm excited about this. Um, I'm going to do a, a little bit of a presentation just about our organization and how we came to develop this e-learning platform and some of the reasons why I think it's important for professional associations like the AAR who have really stepped up to provide this resource for their students in the way that this intersects with some of the larger conversations about mental health that we're having in the academy right now. So um, to begin with, this is uh, Aurora by Beyond Prof is an e-learning platform that has resources for fa the faculty job market as well as the professional job market. So we don't use the term non-academic, we call them professional careers because what we know is that so many PhDs are entering, when they leave the academy and they enter into non-academic work, they're entering professional careers. These are jobs that are held by other, P other people, sometimes with advanced degrees, uh, but the PhD is not a requirement, nor is it necessarily relevant or necessary for these jobs. And so we prefer professional because that's what already what these careers are called. And I think it's really important that people see themselves as people with advanced degrees doing professional careers, as opposed to framing this as an academic or non-academic. So that's our terminology of Beyond Prop. We've just chosen to call them what they are, which is their professional jobs that people with advanced degrees, bachelor's, master's, sometimes PhDs will hold. Um, and uh, I can talk a little bit about um, how we came to this. But our mission at Beyond Prof is that we are here to empower PhDs to build impactful careers and engage lives wherever smart people are needed. And we use that um, very intentionally. Uh, we think that it's about, th that from our research, we know that it's not the PhD, but the people that are opening the door. So it's about leveraging your education. It's not specific to graduate education or graduate training. Um, if we're focused on graduate training, then we have a real problem, right? That there's not enough jobs for people that are being trained to be faculty. But if we're thinking about this as graduate education, then there's lots of opportunities for people to leverage this knowledge, skills, and abilities in a variety of different ways. So we're very intentional about the language that we're trying, language matters, we're all humanities PhDs, so we're very intentional in the language that we're choosing here. And you know, sometimes I think institutions will celebrate like, oh, you get a PhD from our institution and you go here, and we don't, we push back on that. We think that this is a journey that individual PhDs are taking and it's very much about empowering the individuals and it's your education. It's not your advisor's education, it's not your institution's education, it's the individual person to determine where, where they're going to take their education. And we're really, we're very passionate about that distinction. We, we need all the chairs, can't you see? No, just kidding, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> no, there are literally, this is it. Thank <laughs> you, I'm sorry to No, not at all. I'm hoping you have good like, sound editors. So our team at Beyond Prof, we're all humanities PhDs. This is the fine people that do this work. So it's myself and Jennifer Polk. We both have history PhDs. I actually met Jen uh, <coughs> years back when we were doing our master's degrees at Carleton University. She went to the University of Toronto to do her PhD in history. And Jen's story is that she never actually wanted to be faculty. It was just not what she wanted to do. And so she, when she got to the end of her degree, she was so lost because she felt like she, she was a failure. Like this thing that she was supposed to want, she didn't actually want. Um, hi. And so she was um, incredibly discouraged. And so, and she knew she wanted to stay in Toronto. Why not? Toronto's a great city. And she didn't want to move. Um, that was just not something that was in her uh, wheelhouse. And she just didn't want to be faculty. And so at a, a school like Toronto, there was not a lot of conversation about what else one would do because it's, you know, Actually, I think about 25% of humanities PhD, uh, humanities faculty in Canada actually have PhDs from the University of Toronto. So it's a, it's a powerhouse PhD program. People are expected to go on to tenure track jobs. Um, I did my PhD at Carolina. So I am Canadian, but I went to UNC Chapel Hill. And uh, again, it was a top 10 program. And there was just no conversations when I was there about what else one would do. I had gone through with a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and then a PhD. I had come from a rural, small rural town, and um, I had never met other professionals, really. Like, I knew teachers and doctors and lawyers and dentists, but the type of work that people do in a creative economy, I just had no exposure to. And so as an undergraduate, when I arrived on campus and I saw faculty living what is essentially a middle-class life, in Canada it still is a middle-class job, that's maybe questionable in the United States now with salaries, but in Canada these are very much middle-class jobs. And so what I, I now understand is that my attraction to the professoriate was that I wanted a life of the mind, I wanted to be creative, I wanted to have, be having interesting and stimulating conversations. I was, of course, very interested in books. I do love history. Um, but the things that I was being pulled to were not actually specific to the professoriate. They're 
uh, specific to a lot of different kinds of professional jobs. But my attachment to the idea that I was going to become a tenure-track faculty member was really due to a lack of um, exploring career options or asking myself any kinds of questions. So when I didn't get a tenure-track job, I was devastated. And I was completely ill-equipped to ask myself any of the questions that I needed to in order to actually move forward with what I needed to do next. And so our work at Beyond Prop comes from through our own experiences and journeys of not being prepared for the reality which every, so many people are facing, which is there are not enough jobs in the academy. The jobs in the academy are not that great. Not only are they like high teaching, high research, high stress, published or perish, but those are the good jobs. <laughs> and the not good jobs are the ones that are the employment insecure. Um, and we find in our work that, especially with the humanities, um, you, know, you can see this in the data that the AHA has been collecting or the MLA, we're seeing just a huge proportion of humanities PhDs underemployed. They are adjuncts, you know, it's close to 30 to, between 30 to 40% of PhDs in the first five years are gonna be in some kind of precarious underemployment. And that's horrifying and terrifying, and we want to be part of the intervention to say, you know, that's not okay, and that's not your only choice. Oh, uh, so we recently brought on uh, Melissa Kurtz, uh, who is our marketing director. She actually did a PhD in English interdisciplinary humanities, which is not really a field, as she found when she went on the academic job market. She wanted to do the PhD. She wasn't really sure what she was going to do. And from her own experience of doing the PhD, she didn't feel very supported. Like, her department said, you know, you can do a PhD and go anywhere, but then when she tried to go anywhere, she didn't have resources or support to actually help her leverage her education. And we found out when we hired Melissa that she'd actually been attending and coming to a lot of Beyond Prof programming. So we're always excited to see the success of her own work and be able to hire a PhD back. And then Susan actually is someone else I know. Um, she did a master, she did a, her master's and PhD at Carleton where I did my master's. We were very good friends. She also didn't want to be faculty and she went on to get a job at, at a teaching and learning center at Dalhousie University. And so we partnered with Susan and hired her as a consultant, as a learning specialist to help us design uh, exercises and questions um, and work on Aurora with her pedagogical training as an, a learning specialist at a teaching and learning center. So we, it really helps us elevate, I think, our programming in a very unique way that we're able to draw upon um, the up-to-date teaching and learning, especially online learning platforms, and that's an important part of what we're trying to do. So over the, what we primarily do is uh, we interview PhDs about their career transitions. Some of them are, will be faculty. We do offer, again, resources on the faculty job market. But many of these PhDs have gone beyond the professoriate. Over the last year and a half, we've entered about 250 PhDs. We have a wait list of well over 500 PhDs who want to come and do interviews for us. Um, so we tried to pay attention to things like diversity, um, not just diversity in voices, but also different kinds of jobs. We really try and specialize, on, specialize in finding people who are doing surprising and interesting things. Um, we also pay attention to humanities, social sciences, STEM, biomedical, um, as well as people who are at different stages of their careers. So we'll sometimes interview people that have been in a job for a hot minute, and other people who will be on their fourth or fifth job. So there's a real range of voices and experiences. And if you're just starting out, this is the place in Aurora that I would really encourage you to, to start with because these stories are stories of hope. So many of these people have felt discouraged, they felt alone, they didn't know what they were going to do. And through these proven job search strategies, which you can learn in Aurora, they were able to find their way to successful careers. And the other piece that we really talk about and emphasize is that when we do these interviews, we don't often ask them about skills. We do say, like, what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? But the hook for so many people's careers, especially leaving the academy and moving forward, has much more to do with their motivators, their interests, and their values. And I think for so many PhDs that are thinking about leaving the academy, we are so scared that we'll lose who we are as people, that our identity is as a PhD and as a scholar, and that the only place that we will find this kind of joy and satisfaction is in our scholarship or in the classroom. And one of the reasons why we ask the questions that we do, questions like, what energizes you about the work you're doing? Um, what surprises you? Um, you know, what, how does this relate to your graduate school experience? What did you have to learn in a hurry? These are questions we ask because we know that in the creative economy, people are changing jobs every three to five years. They're taking skills with them, 
But the hook through our careers is not that we're going to work in an organization for 35 years, but that we're going to find places where these values and motivators and interests take us, where we can leverage our skills. And so for some people, you know, helping others will be a really important motivator. For other people, it'll be using their research to solve problems. For other people, it's going to be strategic thinking. And these are things that are part of the scholarship that we do, but they're not confined to the academy. And so one of the real challenges that we have as academics is to take, re -get, you know, get to know ourselves again as people who came to our scholarship for particular reasons, recognize those reasons, take them out of the specifics in which we're currently existing, and then find other professionals. They might not have PhDs, but just other professionals who are motivated by similar things that we're motivated. And those are spaces where we're going to thrive and find opportunities. So that's really one of the things that we try and help people think about. So this is a list of where all the PhDs um, that we've interviewed in the last couple of months have worked or they've done seminars for us. It's meant to be overwhelming and exhaustive. Uh, you're not supposed to be able to read it all. But the point is sometimes we get questions about like, well, where are the jobs? Where are the job boards? Where can I find jobs? And this goes back to the heart of our mission statement, which is PhDs work wherever smart people are needed. So wherever you're at, whether you're planning to stay in like a small rural community that you love, or whether you want to move to a big city, you'll be able to find places where professionals thrive and where you're going to have that kind of satisfaction. And it really, you're not limited by the fact that you have a PhD. You're not limited to specific kinds of jobs. You, it's a journey, and it's personal, and it's difficult. We're not going to lie. It will take time. But there are literally thousands of opportunities for PhDs because you're not a PhD, you're a person, right? You're a person with knowledge, skills, and abilities that you can take into lots of different kinds of organizations. Um, so based on the research that we've done, here's what we know are proven job search strategies. And so we've we ask people the same questions. We're very intentional about that because we see the work we're doing as research. Um, because we want to then develop programming to help people. So the summary of our qualitative research is that um, career exploration is crucial and it takes time. So for those of you that are thinking about uh, what comes next, yesterday was a really great time to start. Like it's never too soon to start thinking about other kinds of careers. It's never too soon to start thinking very broadly about your career options. Non-academic work experience is critical to success. Now this, for those of you that are um, uh, faculty who might be transitioning, thinking about your, not just your teaching and your research, but service to the profession, or services that you've been doing as part of your professional organization, volunteer work. These are things that will also come into play. One of the things that we often suggest is like, think about your distractions, the things that people are like, why are you doing that? You should be doing your scholarship, you should be teaching. Sometimes the distractions can tell you something about what's missing in your academic work, uh, something that where maybe you're seeking out or where you're thriving. So looking at the service that you're doing, looking at your volunteer opportunities and experience might be other places that you can draw upon. You're not limited just to your teaching and your research. In fact, your teaching and your research might be the least interesting and least important part of what you're actually going to translate out of your academic work. Networking, as we talked about, is so critical to career success. And this isn't because you're a loser with a PhD. This is how all people find jobs. Um, people hire people. They hire people that they know or will, will come to, or are referred to them by a trusted source. So again, when going back to that list of like the bajillion places where people are working, it's because they're finding these opportunities by putting pants on, leaving their house, and having conversations with people. And that is literally the key to, a career, to job search success. You have to keep talking to people until you find an opportunity that's right for you. And that might take four months, it might take six months, you might be doing contract work, you might be doing volunteer work. You actually just don't know where the opportunity is going to come from. But this networking is important for you to learn about yourself. You might have an idea of like, I think I'm really interested in this like student affairs. And then you go and you interview student affairs and you think, oh wow, no, that's like way too many forms. I actually hate filling out forms. That's not at all what I want to do. So networking is important not just for you to learn about what you might want to do, but it's also then important for you to learn about opportunities. It's important for you to then learn like the language and discourse of employers. It's also an important way that you will learn about what salary expectations you can have and how to negotiate job offers. So treating your job, your career search, and your career transition 
as a research project is very critical and understanding that people that are working in these spaces are the experts and your job is to interview the experts and have them tell you what the right answer is. So any question that you have about like, you know, how do I write, you know, what kind of resume format is right for this? If they say they want this kind of document, what does that mean? Those are all really great questions for informational interviews. And the, um, the other thing I want to say is that networking is also not just for people who are interested in non-faculty careers or professional careers. Before you commit to an academic career and the kinds of sacrifices that are required for that, you should be doing informational interviews to make sure this is a career that you actually think it is, um, that it's a right fit for you, and that making the kinds of sacrifices that people are required to make in order to be successful, like moving, um, relocating families, are in fact actually the right things for you. Um, because I think too often there's an assumption that we should just do it. And then we work it with Beyond Prof with entirely way too many faculty who have made these kinds of career transitions or um, sacrifices and are miserable and are unhappy and now they're even further in their careers and it becomes even more difficult to transition. So for graduate students and PhDs, before you commit to this, please do interview faculty, not just at your institution, but at teaching focused institutions, comprehensive institutions, and really understand if this is the right thing for you. Um, think creatively about the value of education and training. So what we mean by this is like, the, you, it might actually be you know, your work, maybe the thing that you really like to do is um, scholarship on teaching and learning. And maybe there's a way that you can leverage that into online certification and training. So it might not actually be the part that you've been teaching religious studies. It might be the part that you've been teaching online that is something that you can leverage. It might be your knowledge of higher education. Maybe it's not the specifics of, like for me, I did gender and sexuality in 18th century America. Maybe that piece isn't that interesting, but you know, maybe I would be a good fit for diversity training because I really liked teaching and I have an understanding of gender and I'm able to do research and I'm able to like, listen and answer and ask questions. So it might not be the American history part that's very interesting or important. Uh, it might actually be my interest in background in gender and race theory that could be very helpful in my career transition. So think very creatively about what is, what is actually interesting about you, what is unique about the work that you're doing. Um, we just interviewed a woman, her name is Pin Yuen. She uh, is a, I think she was an early modern French women's historian. She's from Taiwan and then she, so she speaks Chinese, she speaks French, she speaks English. And when she transitioned, she was a tenured faculty member who decided to leave the academy. Um, when she transitioned, she actually did academic translations, initially from Chinese to English, English to Chinese, and now she works as a localization and translation specialist at a video game company. She had never played video games before, but that's a really great example of like, it wasn't the history of women in France that was helpful, it was her ability to research and problem solve and translate that was actually a useful skill that she took out of the academy, and she's very happy and loves her job, and she works with people who um, if she works in a company where she said you know, 17 languages are spoken um, on the floor and she works with incredibly smart people. So again, just because you leave the academy doesn't mean you're not going to have these really crazy creative colleagues um, or challenges and opportunities to learn. And now she plays video games in her spare time. There's various points of entry to professional fields. This is really important. So again, there's not like one right way to become the director of the Smithsonian. If that's what you want to do, there's lots of pathways. And so it's when you're in these informational interviews, it's very important for you to ask very you know, critical questions to the people that you're talking about, about, about various points of entry into these professions. So um, this is a great opportunity for you to just say yes to opportunities as they come along. Your first job will not be your last job it will just be the next job that you have. And so thinking about how you can build on these opportunities is important for your career. Um, and just knowing that like, you don't have to start in one specific place. You can start, start in multiple different places and look for other angles and avenues to move where you wanna move. And there's just serendipity. When you listen to these interviews in Aurora, um, one of my favorite is Adam Rubin, who's on the biomedical side, and he got his job because his wife's college mother's roommate um, worked at a company he was interested in working at. So wife's mother's college roommate 
um, was able to take a, a job that was actually for someone with a bachelor's degree and create it into a postdoc and hire a PhD. And so because Adam knew somebody and had dinner with this person, um, and it was actually over the course of about six months that, th that this came about, he was able to get a job. And that's somebody who was leveraging his knowledge and his technical expertise to move into a biomedical field. Um, so I just say this because I think sometimes we feel like losers with humanities PhDs, and it's like networking and these serendipitous opportunities are critical, even for people that are direct, moving directly into areas where your research and teaching might actually have a, be applicable. Okay, so there's a lot of challenges for, uh, for graduate students as well as faculty, and, and one of the reasons why we have developed Aurora the way we have is that we know people are busy. And we know that, there's dis that people value disciplinary specific career advice, and this is often beyond what departments and institutions can actually provide. We know that there is still, unfortunately, way too much stigma, I think this room is an example of that, about uh, exploring career options, right? That this is something that is done often secretly, quietly, uh, without talking to advisors. Um, if people know, will they cut my funding? Um, you know, so there's a lot of stigma still attached to um, exploring career options outside of the academy. And because of the busyness, the desire for specific career advice, and because of the stigma, we know that way too many people are delaying access to career services. Um, in addition to this, we also know through our work that the career transition um, is brutal, emotionally and psychologically. That there is a period of like a loss, sense of loss of self. Um, and as I was saying in another presentation here, this is very akin to losing one's faith that when you cease to, like when you exit a religious community, you often lose your, you know, your community, your friends, but you also lose like what the past meant, you know, what the future, what your present means and what your future means. Um, and so this becomes very destabilizing and I think it's one of the reasons why it's so difficult for people to leave because what was all this suffering for if it wasn't to become a faculty member? What is the point of my publications if I'm not gonna become a faculty member? What was the point of all my teaching evaluations if I'm not gonna become a faculty member? So you begin to question your past because your future changes and it makes your present feel very unstable. And so we know that depression is very common in this stage and we know that this is, it produces a lot of anxiety and we know this is one of the reasons why people default to staying in the academy because it does feel like a giant chasm when you start to leave. It doesn't have to, and we can talk a little bit more about why I think there should be a reframing around who we are as people and scholars, and we talked a little bit about this in an earlier panel. Um, but there's a questioning of choices, uh, and this also becomes intensified when people begin to network and they see peers who are now directors of nonprofits and very stable in careers at 35, 40, and 45, uh, and, you're, and the PhDs are just beginning a career transition, and so it's very scary, and there's a lot of doubt, like why did I, why did I do this? Why did I you know, do this to myself? There's a loss of purpose often in this career transition. You know, what am I doing? What is it all for? And like I said, there's a questioning then of the past, the present, and the future that becomes part of the career transition. And so, you know, the resources that we have in Aurora are here to help you learn different skills, but these are, these are very personal pieces of the journey um, and, and I just want to recognize that it is difficult. So we know that what we're asking people to do is really, really hard. We also know, and this goes back to the piece about professional development, in different surveys that have been done, this one came from Nature, but the University of California did a survey of its own graduate students and found very similar results, that we have 36 to 38% of graduate students suffering from ex um, severe to moderate forms of anxiety and depression, and that this is six times the rate of the general population. That's current graduates, like when they're in yeah, so this doesn't, what we're gonna be doing with the Chronicle of Higher Education in January is doing a survey that we hope will include early, you know, PhDs that are out of the academy, because no one's studying this, levels of depression that as amongst early, especially early career PhDs that are going through these uncertain job market. We know that the roots of this, when they, when they do the surveys, is that uncertainty about careers, a lack of professional development, poverty and debt, um, work-life balance and relationship with advisors and like we can remove the last one because eventually you know you won't have to work without for an advisor anymore but you take the uncertainty about careers poverty and debt and the lack of work-life balance with you when you leave graduate school and so we suspect that this can this depression around lack of careers the financial 
and the work-life balance continues, um, and that this is something that's not being talked about in the academy, but something that we want to be talking about. And it's why we're really excited that AAR is bringing Aurora to its members, because so many adjuncts, sessionals, are falling through the cracks of institutions. And institutions don't feel like they have a responsibility for these temporary people, but they're connected to the professional organization. And so going through professional organizations gives us an opportunity to bring these resources to people who need them and who are in crisis, and we recognize that. And so we're really excited, uh, and I'll give Matt a chance to talk about uh, some of the things that AER is doing after I finished my wrap. Okay, so what is Aurora? So Aurora is um, our e-learning platform. We chose the name Aurora uh, because, again, intentionally, we're humanities PhDs. Aurora is bright lights in a dark sky, right? They're the northern lights. And so, so much of this uncertainty and depression, it feels like darkness. And we want there to be hope. We want people to see bright lights in a dark sky. And the other reason why we chose Aurora is that it is also, in literature, a symbol of exploration that when people are, especially in Canadian literature, because we're Canadians, that um, when you're uh, exploring, you're often exploring in darkness and that the Northern Lights become a symbol of that exploration. So that's why we chose the name Aurora. People are like, that's so weird for an e-learning platform, but it's intentional. Okay, so what's in Aurora? It's career education for graduate students and PhDs in the humanities, social sciences, and STEM discipline. So I've been talking a little bit about graduate students, but this is for PhDs at any stage. One of the things we get is like, well, I'm 52, and I'm be, you know, things are down, being downsized, I'm gonna lose my job. Aurora is still for you, the same strategies still exist. Um, networking is gonna be even more critical for people who are at later stages of their careers in order to find opportunities because you're gonna to have to get in front of people and tell them your story before you're applying for jobs. Um, we have about 80 plus hours of on-demand videos. We add new resources every month. Um, we've got about 150 PhDs in there in various forms of interviews and seminars. There are two programs of study, so I've been focusing on the academic. One of the things that we have heard as we've been rolling out Aurora is that way too many students who are, and adjuncts who are on the academic job market are desperate and terrified and they're not getting good support and they're not getting the right kind of information about how to put together packages, how to put together, uh, come on in, how to put together CVs and teaching portfolios. And we felt like this was a place where we could also step in because we were connected to all these career professionals on campuses. So we've been very fortunate that with the faculty careers, we have um, people from the Graduate Careers Consortium who have done most of our webinars for us. And so whether you're on the academic or whether you're considering faculty careers, this e-learning platform has resources for you. We're also interviewing faculty about their careers so that you can hear more about what it's like to work at teaching and um, comprehensive and R1 institutions because I think that there's a lot of mystery around that. And I also think that the nature of the faculty jobs has changed. This is certainly what we're hearing from faculty, that the amount of research and teaching that people are doing is uh, shifting as service takes a larger role. And so we want students to really understand the nature of the professoriate Again, if you're gonna make that commitment to going on the job market, what does that actually look like? So there are two programs of study. Um, there's on to, so it's all on-demand video content, I'll show you in a minute. You can, there's engaged learning through reflective activities. We have work, uh, workbooks and worksheets that will be added by December 15th for the professional side. So this is a 130-page workbook uh, that you can use to work through the programming, uh, break down the job search process, and um, create goals and guided learning for yourselves. And then, as I said, we add new content every month. So the big pieces is then, it's on-demand videos. It's a safe learning environment, so we do provide the AAR with aggregate information, but we do not provide any personal information. So I just email Matt and I say, this is the number of logins, this is the popular topics, and that helps them, of course, to know what kind of programming they should be offering here at their conference, um, but we do not report on any um, individual users. Uh, it's curated advice by experts, so this makes us a little bit different than some of the free resources that are available out there that are community-based, where people can log in and say whatever random things are on their mind. We curate everything that goes in here, so were somebody to say something that was not accurate, they wouldn't make it in the platform. Um, it's current and updating, so again, it's up-to-date information. If LinkedIn changes their entire platform tomorrow, that's our problem. We'll re-record something and get it updated. Uh, nothing in our platform is older than three years, so it's current and updating. And in fact, I don't even think we're making it to the third three-year mark at this point. We're rotating stuff out faster. 
Again, there's guided learning that's designed by student Susan. And there's a certificate of completion currently for the professional side. We'll be adding the faculty one here in January. If you earn a certificate of completion on the professional side, we will give you a three-month membership to be on the professoriate community to help you in your implementation stage. So Aurora is a place of learning, and then the, the um, community can be a place where you can connect with other PhDs who are going through a job search process, come to career coaching, and that kind of stuff. So that's, it is a paid service, but we'll get, if you earn your certificate, you get three months on us. Um, so again, it's on demand and available in a hurry. It's all advice by PhDs for PhDs. We have a couple of ABDs uh, that we sneak in there. It's important for people to know that there are, you don't have to finish the PhD if it's not right for you, so we do include those voices as well. There's discipline-specific uh, content, and you're going to learn skills for lifelong career success. So I'm going to switch screens. So this is all available through your AAR membership. If you are um, an S, Society of Biblical Literature, it is not, so you should just get an AAR membership too. I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble to say that, Matt, but. Uh, for students, I think the AAR membership is actually $45, which is way cheaper than, any, than purchasing this directly from us. So I'm not even going to tell you how to find this on your own. Just pay the AAR, because it's a good deal. So what you'll do is you'll go to institutions.beyondprof.com. You'll be rerouted to your sign-in page, so you can um, submit American Academy of Religion. I already logged in, but you just log in with your um, AAR membership. So I should have logged out of AAR, but I didn't do that. And then you're just immediately rerouted. So what you'll get is your AAR membership login page, and you just put your membership in. And then a profile is automatically created for you, so there's no place for you to like have to put passwords or emails or anything like that. Um, so here, as I said, there's two programs of study. There's the faculty careers and the professional careers. And then there's this career exploration video resource library. We have three different kinds of, of content in the video resource library. We have career interviews, which are one-on-one -on -one interviews with PhDs. Um, and I'll show you those in a minute. We have career panels that are organized by career, like there are career panels, so higher ed administration, for example. And then we have uh, spotlights, which are um, one-hour webinars where we have a PhD who's been working in a specific field for three or more years do a webinar not about their career, but how do you, like what is marketing? How, what, are, what, are, what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? What are some entry points for marketing? Um, what skills do you already have? What skills might you need? Um, and so this is a really uh, unique resource, which we're really excited about. There's the orientation page. We do have built-in accessibility features, so you can tab through this, but we also have a additional side to Aurora that is much easier for people who are relying on screen readers to move through it. So it's designed specifically for people who are tabbing and using screen readers. Um, so there's, this is accessible. And all of our videos are closed captioned as well, which is useful if you need them or if you just want to watch videos on the bus and you didn't bring your headphones. So let me um, start with just a tour. Um, where do you want to start? Start with the faculty careers. That's where most people are starting anyways. <laughs> um, so we have habits for career success. We have about uh, app preparing applications, the interview process, and negotiating a faculty job offer. We just wrapped our very first academic job market conference, and we have, I think, about eight hours that we'll be adding here by January 1st. Um, so this is currently 11 hours, and it's going to get a lot meatier. Um, so in habits for career success is things like a mindfulness, um, productivity and time management, as well as writing habits. We'll be adding one specifically about networking in the academy, um, preparing application packages, the interview process. And all of this content, we're very excited, as I said, are done by our friends at the Graduate Career Consortium. So we have people from Duke University and Syracuse University who do this uh, as their job, because I don't know how to tell you to do this, um, who've come in. Um, there's learning objectives at the module level We've curated additional resources for those of you that like to read. Um, we link out to everyone's LinkedIn profiles on both sides. It's a little harder with faculty, so we'll be linking to their faculty profiles. But on the professional side, um, we have links to their LinkedIn profile if you're interested to learn more. And again, we have very clearly defined learning objectives that will let you know what you're going to learn. So let me, I think this audience is a little bit more interested in the professional side. That's a shout out for the faculty. So here it is, the professional career strategies. There are currently 16 hours, six core modules that you can work through. And my recommendation is you start at the beginning. 
um, and that you don't just like cannonball into resume writing because you'll miss most of the pieces. Uh, um, so we have introduction to the job search, career exploration, professional documents, online job search strategies, including LinkedIn, networking, interviewing, and negotiating a job offer. So um, again, we have very clearly defined learning objectives at the top. We have learning objectives here at the module level as well as the unit levels. Um, and we have a, a really wonderful webinar by Hillary Hutchinson, who is a career coach, um, on uh, dealing with the emotional aspects of leaving academia. So I highly recommend that. It's a very powerful webinar. Um, my introductory webinar is also amazing, but it's mostly an introduction to the platform and some of the reasons why, um, and a little bit of what you've just heard today. Uh, once you actually get in to uh, stages of the job search process by Rachel uh, Leventhal-Weiner, Again, you have an overview, you have about the presenter, and then we've developed questions to consider, which is to guide you through the most important aspects of the webinar, thanks to signpost, and then we have exercises, which will um, allow you to implement what you're learning into your own job search strategy. These are currently available over here in this fun little take notes widget, which you can type notes and then save them to your profile. Um, and then the questions to exercises and exer questions to consider, sorry, and exercises will be part of the workbook. So there'll be two ways for you to interact with this content. One, if you want to like get your workbook out, and another one if you're just moving through, uh, through and then you can print these or save these to your computer as well. Um, and if you're unfamiliar with our content, um, I'll see if it's actually going to play. So it's a live webinar with slides, and so you know, you'll get the, the feel of the presentation, um, and you can see Rachel up there. Rachel's fantastic. We beat Rachel away with a stick. She's always like, I want to do more. And we're like, Rachel, you're in here four times. We can't do more. No, she's only in here twice. Um, oh, and so that's also then the closed captioning. You can turn on there. Okay. So, um, let me take over here. This is your profile, so your, every person has a profile, and your saved notes are down here at the bottom. So you know you can you'll have your workbook, but if you want to work through it that way, um, and so this is the whole overview of everything that's currently in the e-learning platform. So it's you know substantial. Substantial. Um, so we, the and these are the different units and modules that you can take. Let me take you over to um, the career exploration video resource library. The green box is one of the part of the accessible features so that people when they're tabbing through can actually see where they're at on the page. Um, so that's why that's there. Um, so if you want to learn by uh, interviews, career panels, or spotlights, uh, the interviews are a great place to start since they are organized by large academic disciplines. So we have arts and humanities, social sciences and psychology, life sciences and STEM. It's quieter now for us too. Um, and so we have a couple of people from, uh, you know, Kelly was a huge supporter, so we're glad to have her in as well. Um, Joe Wei, uh, who is another theology PhD, um, we're very excited to have him, David Congdon. Um, and actually Silas owes me an update because he's no longer in this current job. He actually has moved into student affairs. So that's, he's on our list of people to re-interview. And that's one of the things that, um, one of the reasons why it's fun to kind of keep this, to keep this update, updated is that people are moving so quickly when they leave the academy. I think Silas was in his job for about 18 months. He used to be at Fortress Press, and now he's in student affairs. And so it's very common, and we see that a lot. Movement is, is, movement is possible, welcomed, and um, happens all the time. So um, you can click on, um, again, the interviews. We've got the about the interview. You can connect with um, Silas over on LinkedIn. And then you have questions to consider and exercises that are over here. And I would just really encourage you, like, not, I know we have them organized by academic discipline, but check out what the sociologists are doing as well, social psychology and education, because almost everyone who, who we're interviewing is working in a field that is not specific to their educational background. Um, so just poke around in it. Uh, don't limit yourself just to, like, what can I do with a humanities degree, because that's the wrong question. You want to think about why you, um, you got the degree in the first place. And there might be overlap between why you got a degree and why somebody in a diff completely different field got their degree. Um, these are also really great because you'll hear questions that you can ask during informational interviews. 
uh, when you're going to start and, and making those connections between what you're hearing when you're doing informational interviews and what people are telling you. Um, so there's lots of ways to move around this platform. Uh, let's see, career, so the career panels. The career panels are like, I really am interested in higher education administration. So lo and behold, we have a whole, we have two panels actually on higher education administration. We do try and bring in PhDs from all different disciplines into our career panels because we think it's important that like humanities PhDs know that there are opportunities in industry for you and they make more money and they're great. Go, don't stay in the private sector or, their or don't stay in nonprofits or higher ed because you think there's no room for you in uh, the private sector. There's lots of room. So data science, educational instructional design, that's a really good one. Freelance and independent consulting, evaluation and assessment, K-12 teaching, let me just put evaluation and assessment. So if you're like, what is that? These are really great career panels to be like, oh, evaluation and assessment, that sounds like something I might be interested in. And then uh, this was a career panel, so we have three people. Um, and then we sometimes will interview an additional voice. Our challenge is that if we didn't work on diversity, this whole platform would be white women in the humanities. So sometimes we just have to go with what we've got and then we seek out additional people to add. So um, you can scroll down and hear more voices. So these are the current career panels that are in here. And then uh, the spotlights are also like, you know, if you're just looking for ideas of places to get started, the spotlights are another really great place. So um, UX research is very popular with humanities social sciences. Lindy was a tenure track faculty member who quit her job and started an ed tech software company. It actually seems very terrifying, <laughs> but good for Lindy. Like she's an A round funding with venture capitalist kind of technology, which is very different than like what we do at Beyond Prof. Um, learning, designs, uh, learning experience design is a really fantastic and growing field. Faculty development, um, actually Paul Martin, I think we've interviewed him three times and he keeps changing on us and he's, he's moved again. Um, educational technology, instructional design is another really great one. Market research, data science, research administration, development, marketing, program and project management for PhDs, um, building your path in the corporate sector. And we've got more coming as well. So we try and add a spotlight every month and uh, two professional interviews, two or three, depending on the month, and then a faculty interview as well. So that's the heart of Aurora. What questions do you have? So you can start at the AAR. Let me go. Matt, where is on your website? Um, First, you'll, you'll be able to go access Aurora, okay. and it'll ask you, or you can just go to institutions.beyondprof.com, which is on the postcard that you can take okay. with you, mm -hmm. and then just click Submit, and then you'll put your member ID and password in, and then you'll hit Login, and then that's it. It's like, off, yeah, it's just like accessing like an off-campus. Then you can go nuts. <laughs> yes, I'm ready to do that. Yeah. On that list of different employers that you showed at the beginning, yeah. for the ones that were institutions, what kind of jobs are people getting there? So, uh, lots. Um, yeah, so we see a lot of people in research administration. So that's an opportunity to work in grants offices, and then you uh, work with faculty to develop their grants to help them be successful. So that's a really interesting and growing field. 
Um, and people from all different backgrounds do that. So it's an opportunity to do lifelong learning because you don't know anything about X, Y, Z, but you're working with a faculty member at the institution to help them be successful on their grants. So a lot of writing and editing and, and, and grant development. So that's a really interesting and growing field. We do have people in student affairs. So you know, career services, career centers, um, that's a very popular field. We have people who are doing um, data science, actually, is another field. So. The thing to remember, we have publishing, um, which is another field, uh, not just like working as publishers, but marketing within a university. One of the women was a, a marketer at Wilfrid Laurier University Press. So um, any kind of job that you can think of, there's probably somebody at a university who's doing it. Yeah. And this is, um, sorry, I think like, um, I have to go on a few minutes, but yeah. um, I'm SDL, so the This is uh, PhDs from all different types of PhDs, and you help connect with jobs. So we're not an employment service. No. So what we do is we provide resources to help you find, to learn job search strategies so that you can find a job where you're at. Right. So we know, so there's a, a lot of differences between the faculty job market where people are doing national job searches, yeah. international job searches, that's a, a very ineffective way to find a job if you're looking for a professional career. And so what we help you do is figure out your shit. <laughs> like what are you interested in doing? Where are you at? And then what kind of opportunities can you find that are a good alignment for who you are as a person? So these are resources and tools to help you develop that skill set for yourself. Okay. Yeah. So it's very much about empowering, but so we don't suggest jobs. It's not, not an assessment tool. One of the things, if you're interested in an assessment tool, I highly recommend Imagine PhD, which is a totally free resource. And I believe the AAR also was a, um, contributed to the development of that as well. Um, so you can check out Imagine PhD. There, there's some assessments in there that you can begin with. And so Imagine PhD doesn't tell you what you can do. It just gives you ideas, again, about your values and your skills. <coughs> Um, so I logged in when we were talking about this in the previous session, but there's these different assessments you can do interest and skills and values. And this is a really great place to start because then when you come back to Aurora, you can start looking through some of the, the, the interviews, the spotlights, the career panels, and thinking about how your interests are aligning with what some of the things that people are saying. By June, if everything stays on track for us, our content in Aurora will be tagged with um, Imagine PhD family categories so that people can move between Imagine PhD and Aurora much more seamlessly. So that's on our, that is on our roadmap. Okay. Sometimes people say that and it's not true, but our, it is actually in development. Uh, Jen Polk, my business partner, is, has this incredible spreadsheet right now that she's working through. And so we'll be reaching out to interview some additional people to fill some of the gaps and then that will be available by June. But for those of you that are starting right now, um, it, go to the interest assessment, the skills assessment, the values assessment, and think about that. But we just know from like successful PhD job search strategies that networking is going to be the most critical piece to your job search. And that you've, being able to effectively communicate to employers what you do and how you solve their problem is the ticket to success. And that you need to be able to do that to start with in person. And then move to your, you know, you will at some point have to submit a resume to an online job posting, but you want to do that as like step 19,000 as opposed to step one. So the first step is these informational interviews where you're learning about different opportunities. And the other thing, the other challenge with like job boards is, as um, our, my colleague Julia was pointing out in her previous panel, what somebody calls something in one organization is not at all what is called in a different organization. And so really focusing on the skills that you have, what motivates you, and then reaching out to people to have conversations about what they do, and being clear about that. So, so an informational interview, when you do that, you don't have to say, like, I want to be the director of volunteering at nonprofits. What you can say is, like, I, I'm the kind of person who gets energized by organizing others, you know, other people. And I'm really, I have a high-level idea of, you know, I'm able to keep a high-level view of projects. That's one of my skill sets. And I'm really passionate about this cause. So what I'm looking for are opportunities where I can get involved and use these skill sets in these kinds of organizations. And then have them tell you the right answer, okay. right? Like these are the experts. 
and they they will tell you how somebody like you with your skills can find pathways into different kinds of employment. And there's lots of different pathways. There's no one kind of path. 70% um, of jobs are never posted. Um, and even when they are posted, they, they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily open. <laughs> they can have like internal candidates. So, you know, being active on LinkedIn, being active um, in a local community is the way that you will find jobs, being connected to people. If you're trying to move, like you live where you don't want to work and you're trying to move, the same strategy applies. You'll just spend a lot more time doing phone conversations and LinkedIn conversations before you'll find an opportunity. People hire people. They hire people they know and people who come referred to them as a trusted source. Most organizations are small and they are not legally required to list jobs. Beyond the profit rate does not ever have to publicly list a job. I'm not required to. There's no law because I'm small. So if I'm going to hire, I'm going to send it out to like six people that I know and say, like, do you know people who would be a good fit for me? Because if you think about it, as I was saying in the previous uh, panel, if you think about it from an employer's perspective, why on earth would I want to put something up on Indeed.com where I'm going to get 600,000 million resumes? I don't want to do that. I'm going to post it on LinkedIn. I'm going to post it on smaller spaces where I can get candidates who are going to be in, already engaging with my organization or my brand, who are in my sphere, who are connected to people I know. That's how I'm going to hire. I'm going to hire within my community because I don't want 600 jobs coming at me from Indeed. And the places that do that, even large organizations, having that because they're going to get 600 applications because they post on Indeed, having that personal connection will still become really important to getting your job out of the pile. Um, and you know, if what you're hearing is like organizations are using like job, you know, some of those scanning softwares. Like that's going to be brutal for you as a PhD in career transition. So don't apply to those kinds of companies. Go to companies where that personal connection is going to be uh, an important part of the hiring process because you'll be more successful there. Yeah. And always go the path of least resistance. Like if so, if you're on the job market and people are saying, well, you have to have, you know, you have to have a master's of information library science to be a librarian. Like let's say that's something that you keep hearing. Don't do that job. Right? Find another, find another avenue to do similar kinds of things. Because you're very well, you're, you're, you're too educated. <laughs> the problem is that you have a lot of advanced degrees without direct linear work experience within or professional spaces. And so what you need to be doing is getting experience in professional spaces and pairing that with your knowledge and your skills and your abilities. And then you'll have career success and advancement. So unless you like absolutely only ever want to code, and that you, like, you've decided that's the thing you're going to do next, then you know, by all means, go learn to code. Or if you want to do data science, do a data science camp. But like, don't, don't focus on additional degrees. And if you keep hearing that in the job search, don't do it. Certificate's fine. Online courses, fine. Other advanced degrees, don't do it. Please, stop. <laughs> stop learning. No, I'm just kidding. Stop getting education. You'll continue to learn. And all of this, this is what Aurora will help you do. It'll help you like walk through this process and show you this, these, these strategies that we know PhDs use to find careers. Yeah. I was just going to say that initially one of the questions I was being asked was, is there like advice for uh, jobs that you like, don't have to move for versus jobs where you, know, you are open to moving? But it sounds to me like I'm sort of approaching this in like the totally like, yes. Yes, you are. Okay, right. yeah. <laughs> Start where you are at. Yeah. yeah. The first talk step, to talk to people. Yeah, the first step is really to understand your local economy. Mm -hmm. So what are the big employers there? So I'm in Denver. Tech is huge. So there's a lot of, and tech is also a very uh, mobile space where they're bringing in lots of different kinds of people with different kinds of talent. Like you don't have to code, right? Um, and that's one of the really positive things for humanities PhDs. What would the skills that we bring um, to the table of being to being able to do human-centered research and tell stories and do research and qualitative analysis These are things that are not easily outsourced or automated And so there actually are a lot of opportunities for us to move our skill sets in project management leadership facilitation Human-centered research teaching mentoring like those are skills that are the soft skills that are very much in demand so I'm saying like tech is actually a really great place for humanities PhDs right now because I can pay someone very cheaply to code in Poland 
and I don't need to pay a local developer money. That's expensive. But it's much more difficult for me to have someone who can do customer support or sales or an onboarding process or you know, problem, solve problems for my customers or recommend my technology solution to organizations. Like I can't, that's much harder. I need somebody who can tell stories, who's got client-facing skills, who can listen to what the problem is and is this actually the right solution or what, you know, and that's UX, you're starting to get into UX research. And we're seeing lots of people go into user design research and tech. Yeah, UX research. So it's like, you know, how does it, how does it feel to like move through my app on your phone and being able to actually talk to people and do research on how people use technology um, and, and making better and more efficient and taking into consideration things like gender and race. Like diversity is a huge area right now where there's lots of opportunities. So the good news is there's no shortage of opportunities for smart creative people in this creative economy. The challenge is for you to find a space that's gonna, where you can leverage your skills um, and being able to tell people that you're a resource. Because unless you tell me that you exist, I don't know you exist. And if you're just putting your paper, like papers out there on the internet, I still don't know you exist because I'm not reading them. So having those in-person conversations is really critical. Matt, did you want to say anything about AAR member benefits? Because I thought I would give you a chance to do that. He told me what? no. <laughs> <laughs> so you're an SPL member, not an AR member. Um, I think my school has with AR too, though. So I guess I could probably just join. Yeah. Um, so we do have a lot of really good benefits. It's something we've been working on beefing up in the past couple of years. One of them being Aurora, which has been really beneficial for a lot of our members, not just students, but contingent faculties and faculty members, really anyone just looking to switch things up. Um, so that's been a great resource. We are, we were the first organization um, out of all the ACLS organizations to add a board of directors position specifically for continued faculty. So we're really, we know what's going on in the academy and within higher education as far as jobs. You know, we don't want to turn members away because they realize there's not a lot out there. We still want to be a resource for our members, for those who have the religious studies backgrounds and still want to stay connected to the field. Mm -hmm. um, we are working on a new website that will be launching next year. We'll have a lot of much better functionality. Um, it will look much better than the current website. And we're really focusing a lot on connections. Um, connecting members with benefits like Aurora, connecting members with other members. As Marin was talking about, networking is such a huge, huge part in finding a new job. Um, so that's gonna be a lot easier and a lot more prevalent with our new website. Um, and connecting, we wanna be more connected with our members. Um, you know, a lot of people just see the AAR as this annual meeting every year. And we want our members to realize, you know, we are here 365 days a year uh, to provide support for you guys. So we're looking at ways to stay engaged with our members throughout the year. And we have other great resources like JSTOR. We have access, um, all of our members get free access to the Religious Studies Collection of JSTOR, which really helps a lot of people who don't have that institutional support to things like that. Um, so we have a lot of stuff in the works, but we're very happy to have Aurora. We've had a lot of really good feedback from our members who have used it, so I highly recommend it. I also highly recommend it too. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I joke as the person who uh, built it, uh, but also like, I, I just, I know, like it was funny today, Amy, uh, who's at the Applied Religious Studies, um, and Julia Hoffman, who is a uh, career centers now at UC Davis, or sorry, UC San Diego, were on this panel, and they were like, we both came to Beyond Prof, like early on conferences. So like, I know that's anecdotal, but I, I, do, I do know that, that this will help you. You will feel less alone. You will feel less scared. You will feel, you will, you know, you might feel overwhelmed, but you will have hope. And you know we hear that all the time from people that that access our resources that this gives them hope you know that they're feeling despondent or broke 
um, and trapped. And we don't want people to feel like that. We want people to know that there are no shortage. I mean, I really believe that. I mean, here I am with the humanities PhD. I studied porn in the 18th century and I'm like doing tech because I'm smart and creative and can ask questions and uh, you know, I'm, I'm ambitious and like all of these things that I was before, I still am. I'm still a curious, smart person engaged in questions and conversations. And you know, if Beyond Prof, of course it will succeed, but if Beyond Prof doesn't succeed, there's lots of other places I'm going to be able to go and take these talents. And, you know, it took a long time for me to get to this place, but I feel optimistic about my future. Like, I feel like I have skills that I can take. And part of that's just through, like, getting some experience. Like, I just didn't, I didn't know how to do these things. I'd never done a demo. I'd never sold a product. I'd never seen, like, a contract from a lawyer. I didn't, you know, like all, I don't know. I didn't know how to do learning design so i you know read some articles watched some youtube videos and i built a platform you know like i, I learn i can learn how to do these things and the process of doing those kinds of things and and having successes in other spaces will really build your confidence thank you very much you're going to be fine thank you is there literature or something yeah there's a postcard right back there and you're welcome to take my card as well <laughs>